Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. so much. And the Oscar for Best Actress goes to Frances McDormand. No anti. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. I am Kyle Brunig, your host, and today we're going to be talking about the 2021 Ceremony Year win for Frances McDormand, making this her third Best Actress Oscar. She actually has one more lead actress Oscar than Meryl Streep, uh, because Meryl Streep has one for supporting, uh, but Katherine Hepburn actually has four Oscars, and I actually think she should only have two. But anyway, that's a different <laughs> podcast episode, but Frances McDormand currently uh, has the second most Oscars of of all time because of the movie Nomadland. Uh, best Picture went to Nomadland. Uh, best Director went to Chloe Zhao. Best Actor went to Anthony Hopkins for The Father. Best Supporting Actor went to Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, which if you have seen that movie, makes no sense because if he's the supporting character, who the fuck is the lead? Uh, and Best Supporting Actress went to Yoon, Yoon Yo Jung for Minari. Okay, so today I am joined by a friend, a comedian. Uh, he has toured all over the country. Uh, he used to live in Africa. That's not really a professional credit, but let's just put it out there. Also, if you're from Africa, why are you white? And uh, he also did a J Just for Laughs gala with Trixie Mattel, Jonathan Van Ness. It won a Canadian Screen Award, and he's here for you now. It's Ted Morris. Hi, Ted. Hi, Kyle. <laughs> um, do you have any memories of... Uh, comedy and Africa like overlapping at all there's nothing funny about living in Africa <laughs> no I didn't even think about doing comedy when I was there but I that's when I realized it was funny because we were living a very colonial lifestyle which meant right you know lots of gin and tonics on Wednesday afternoon <laughs> and I was hanging out with a lot of my like my parents friends so I was hanging out with adults and adults seemed to find me funny funnier okay. than teenagers okay I'm like oh I'm funny you're like now I gotta go back to Toronto and do comedy. Now I gotta go, yeah, lose lose all the pigment I built up over my seven <laughs> years in Africa because people are racist. And yeah. Uh, yeah, life's been hard doing, <laughs> doing everything on my own. I much prefer the colonial lifestyle. I, uh, I, 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 okay. Um. <laughs> I mean, as a colonialist, it's, it's not bad. Um, so... We've already, before we even started recording, we're like, oh, God, this year. <laughs> because, listen, some of these movies, girl, were really painful. Um, although I feel like maybe it'll make for funny banter. But um, I always like to ask my guests why they picked a year. I'm going to assume you picked this year because this was the only recent year because otherwise it's like pre-1960s. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's precise. I precisely picked this year because I'm lazy and I didn't want to have to try and hunt down movies from like the 40s. Fair. I completely understand that. Um, so that's the reason. That's the reason. And after watching these movies, I've now realized it's a terrible way to pick the year. <laughs> Just a terrible reason. Yeah, this particular year with Frances McDormand winning for Nomadland, um, I remember I had a guest on this podcast once describe before she had won, Frances McDormand will win this Oscar for the least amount of acting she's ever done. 
And I remember I hadn't seen the movie yet. And I remember thinking like, hmm, what a weird way of putting it. And then when you see the movie, you're like, ah. Yeah. So that doesn't always make for a very fun year. No. To watch. It certainly did not make for a fun year for me. No. And I, and I, the, the one that I'm just, I just want to rip the bandaid and just, just get it over with and just get it out of the way. For me, this is the most painful movie is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm very aware that this is based on a play painfully aware that I was it was based on a play. And, yeah. And I kept having that moment where I'm like, well, why did you turn this into a movie yeah. if you were just going to present the play? Exactly. That's exactly what I said the first time that I saw it. So very quickly, so... Um uh, plot tensions rise when trailblazing blues singer Ma Rainey and her band gather at a recording studio in Chicago in 1927. So it's not really a description. That's more just like the setting. Um, but basically it's like you talk about how white people took jazz away from black people and how black people were doing all the work and it was their thing that they invented and how Viola Davis is playing Ma Rainey and Ma Rainey um, was considered a diva, but that was, her only power was like um, refusing things because she knew that once she gave them what they wanted, that they didn't, they wouldn't you, they wouldn't need her anymore. That was the only speech of hers that I liked in the whole thing. When she was kind of explaining that she's like, no, once they got my voice down, they don't need me anymore. So I got to get my Coke. I got to get my Coke. Yes. And I got to say this makes up for the category fraud of the movie Fences, which she won her Oscar for because in Fences, she's clearly the lead actress, but she won supporting just like Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. This seems to be a very common thing in these days where people to, to guarantee a win, they'll go supporting. And then it's like, oh, we won. And it's like, hey, well, if you're supporting, then who the fuck was the lead? But anyway, this movie, in my opinion, Viola Davis is really more of a supporting role. Agreed. And I would say it kind of cancels out her fences category fraud. So now it's like, because I always bring it up on this podcast. Now I'm like, well, you know, she actually kind of made up for it in this movie. Because as far as I'm concerned, um, I think I wrote down there was a... Despite playing the title character, Viola Davis's performance only clocks in at 26 minutes and 41 seconds. Yeah, there was one point where I'm like, okay, well, where is when, she? Where is she? Yeah, exactly. what's going on? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Is she not in this movie? Like, is she just coming in for a bravada pro like performance right at the end? No? Yeah, no. yeah. It was. Uh, I I thought that was very confusing. Also, I remember um, whenever Chadwick Boseman, it was kind of like Anthony Hopkins versus Chadwick Boseman. He had died. Uh, so he received this nomination for Best Actor posthumously. He'd won the Golden Globe. And I remember everybody was like, is he going to win? Because if he does win over Anthony Hopkins, it'll be... I'm sorry, this is probably a really rude thing to say. It's just because he passed away, which is, of oh, yeah. course, very sad. Yeah. But, like, do you give an Oscar to somebody because they died? I'm... Are you giving an Oscar to the performance? Or are you giving an Oscar to cancer? A hundred percent. And it's like, they didn't do that for James Dean. So it's like, why are we going to do that for? And I remember thinking like, man, like Anthony Hopkins really has to win because God, this movie was painful. <laughs> and if I feel like Chadwick Boseman would almost be like mad he won for this movie. Because <laughs> like, oh God. It's like, what a way to go out. I mean, the, the extremely long monologues. Very well acted. Yeah. You know, um, I, I understand like the cultural uh, relevance and the significance Absolutely. politically of why this story is relevant in in 2020, whenever this came out. Black Lives Matter was a huge movement during the pandemic. 
I completely understand the timing and the significance. It's just, it's supposed to be a fucking movie. I'm not wanting to watch a play. Yeah. Yeah. Plays can be quite boring. Well, plays, it makes more sense when someone's having that sort of monologue. I, I accept it in a play. Yeah. But if I'm in a movie, I'm like, okay, well, this is supposed to feel like a little more natural than a play would be. Like yeah. a, a play almost, almost feels like slightly removed from reality. Yeah. This entire movie felt slightly re- removed from reality, even the way it was shot. And like, there were some scenes where I'm like, is this just like a colorized black and white <laughs> movie? This feels, the tone was really weird for me. It was really weird, but also um, the fact that you, what did I write here at the very beginning? I said, enjoy those outdoor scenes of old Chicago. It's the only exterior shots you'll see for the <laughs> remainder of the film. Yeah. You're like, oh, we have so much to play with here. It's a it's a film based in 1927. Um, Viola Davis is lip syncing for her life. I thought her lip syncing was great. great. I was confused that they won an Oscar for makeup until I saw the picture <laughs> yes. of Ma Rainey at the end. Because I'm like, why did they give her raccoon eyes? Why yeah. did she complain about this? <laughs> she looks terrible. I'm like, oh, that's what she looked like. And great teeth. Great teeth. Um, a very. This is perhaps Viola Davis's sweatiest performance to date. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're not complaining about that. I know that it's usually like the snotty nose crying. I didn't see that in this film. Perhaps range. <laughs> <laughs> I can do lots with moisture on my face. 100%. Yeah, it's not coming out of her nose. It's all over her body now. Um, Branching out. It just, uh, the whole performance just felt very one note for me. Like, it felt like, okay, like. She's having none of it. This is this is who, who she is. And I realize it's all kind of happening on one day. So how many emotions are you going to go through on, on one, one day? day. <laughs> but it still felt like, I'm like, yeah, I kind of feel like there's nothing. Like, this isn't going anywhere. I agree. And it's certainly not going anywhere with. With her character, there's yeah. you know lots of stuff going on with Chadwick Boseman, but yeah. not nearly as much going on with Ma. It's like, yeah. give me my coke. I'm mad. Yeah, I, I hate working for the man, but yeah. I, I understand that I have to play the game. And you're like, is she bi? Is she? I assume now that everyone a... in the twenties was bi. Yeah. <laughs> the twenties seemed like a really fun time. Like everyone was all buttoned up, and then all of a sudden everyone relaxed <laughs> in the twenties, and then everyone got all buttoned up again. Yeah, I mean, because it was the 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 roaring twenties. Yeah, they were a good time. It, so it was the bisexuals roaring. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that she had great physicality as Ma Rainey. She kind of carried her well. She had a little bit of a slouch. That was good. Yeah, just like there was one scene where she's like just angrily like hunching towards someone. I'm like, (laughs) okay, this is good. Her performance scenes I thought were really good. Yeah. Solid solid acting. Yeah. Um, This was nominated for Best Picture. Why? (laughs) (laughs) She won Best Actress at the Screen Actors Guild Award. She also won the Screen Actors Guild Award for The Help, which that was the year that Meryl Streep won for The Iron Lady. Um, I find that the Screen Actors Guild Award, they just fucking love Viola Davis. Um, For example, like she got nominated this year for The Woman King and the Oscars were like, we're good. Um, <laughs> We're fine. She's fine. She's fine. Um, I did watch The Woman King on a plane, though. I actually I thought it was a great and great performance, uh, just in terms of like, the physicality. Um, but uh, I did find it a bit confusing that she was so sweaty, clearly insanely hot, always having a fan, but she was still wearing like a mink stole. Yeah, she kept referencing how hot it was in there, and I'm like, okay, then lose the fur, lady. 
Um, I always love a big Oscar moment. I think as we already established before, whenever we were just talking about it, um, I think it was just whenever she talks about how being so difficult, once she stops being difficult, they'll be done with her. So she's going to continue to be difficult. It's her one card that she can play. It's her one form of power, um, which of course speaks to like race and um, positions of privilege like after that time. And uh, I, I get it. Yeah, I, I I get it. Yeah, it's just not a very fun movie. I just yeah, I just didn't enjoy the movie. I was I never I just didn't connect with it. I I just felt completely disconnected the the entire time and I was confused. I was confused. <laughs> she was not afraid to get physical with men, with police officers. Mm-hmm. So she had this sort of fearlessness to her. Um, which I feel like uh, is sort of like something that only like Viola Davis and like Angela Bassett can do. By the way, I have to fucking <laughs> tell you, oh my God, when Angela Bassett won the award for Entertainer of the Year at the NAACP Awards, and she goes up on stage and she quotes Ariane DeBose for that ridiculous rap at the BAFTAs, and she was like, I guess Angela Bassett did the thing. <laughs> Oh my god, that is the most iconic thing. I I fucking love that. I love Angela Bassett. I don't know if she's going to win the Oscar this year. And I I don't like to talk about ceremonies that haven't happened yet because it always dates the episodes when people are listening to this down the road. But um, I really want her to win this Oscar because I just want to see if she'll make another reference to it. (laughs) I'm just here for the acceptance speeches. Yes, 100%. Because... I am here for the absurdity and the strangeness of the Angela Bassett did the thing. And you're like, what does that mean? Uh, I also love Jamie Lee Curtis being interviewed about that. And she's like, everybody needs to fuck off. Ariane DeBose is the best. She's celebrating everybody. Fuck you. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She might win. She won the Screen Actors Guild Award for everything, everywhere, all at once. Well, it's hard to perform with those fingers. That's an impressive feat. (laughs) The hot dog fingers. So random. So random. So random. Um, But anyway, it's just Viola Davis giving a fantastic performance in a really fucking boring movie. Yeah. 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 I just, uh, one day someone will figure out how to turn a play into a movie and do it properly. I'm sure it's been done, but every every time I'm watching one, I'm like, now this feels like a play. Oh, it was a play. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, Okay. So some facts about this movie. I actually, I feel like I have more facts than I actually do about notes about really much to, cause I don't, there's not really much to say about this performance. Cause like I said, it's like 26 minutes and 41 seconds and it is very, don't fuck with me. I'm angry. Uh, Lip sync no, for yeah. my life. There's no arc no. To, to it. There's yeah. And like, then this is my day. Yeah. It would be really weird if she won this Oscar. Dare I say this might elicit the gay gasp. This wasn't a very strong year. For actresses. I'm not gasping. I am agreeing. Yeah. I, there's, I am silent on the gay gasp. Yeah. I don't know if this was one, this, this wasn't one of my favorite years. And you know what? We just did Jessica Chastain, the mm-hmm. last episode, and that was Jesse Reynolds, who also picked it because it was like the most like recent. <laughs> We're very lazy to well, see that. I, I get it. I get it. Because there's definitely some years where I'm like, oh God. Um, like, you know, pre-1960. But you do sometimes find gems, like hilarious gems. Like if you've ever seen, you got to watch Butterfield 8 with Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, it's, I love Butterfield 8. It's a fucking trip. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, but... Um, Okay, so some facts about this movie, but just, yeah, this isn't, I didn't think that Jessica Chastain's year was incredibly strong, and I also, I'm not, I didn't really think that this was a very strong year either, but um, that's just my personal opinion. Okay, so some facts about 
Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So Denzel Washington, who produced this film, was a mentor to Chadwick Boseman since his college years. And when Denzel Washington received his 2019 AFI Lifetime Achievement Award, Boseman recounted that one of his nine Felicia Rashad's Howard University's acting students for whom Denzel Washington paid the full summer program tuition at the British Academy of Dramatic Acting in Oxford. So I guess Denzel Washington is paying people's tuition. Thanks, which, Denzel. Yeah, that's, just, that's a nice little story. Um, this is Viola Davis's second appearance in a film adaptation of a play by August Wilson. She previously appeared in Fences, which garnered her an Academy Award. Um, obviously, this is Chadwick Boseman's last film. And... Uh, Oh, what's really sad about that is, I guess, uh, unbeknownst to his fellow cast members, Bozeman was receiving cancer treatment while filming the movie, and, like, they didn't... I, I couldn't get that out of my mind the whole time I was watching. I was like, he looks skinny. Oh, yeah. Skinny. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, like, knowing what what was happening, I was just like, right. oh. oh, that's true. That is really sad. Um, yeah, we already mentioned that, and... Quote, the black bottom is a dance that originated among African-Americans in the rural South in the first decade of the 20th century. It was eventually adopted by mainstream American culture and became a national craze of the 1920s. Uh, with her Oscar nomination for this film, Viola Davis becomes the most nominated actress of African-American descent with four nominations. She also becomes the first black woman to receive two nominations for best actress in a leading role. Wow. Really? You'd think it'd be more than that. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Oscar so white. <laughs> um, I don't know why people keep saying that. <laughs> yeah, right. You, you really don't have to go that far back to be like, oh, yeah, oh, that yeah. checks out. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, and one last little fact before we move on. Viola Davis uh, receiving an Oscar nomination for Best Actress in this film, along with Andrew Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday, marked the only the second time in Academy Award history to which two women of color have been nominated for Best Actress in the same year. The first occurrence happened 48 years prior in which Cicely Tyson was nominated for Sounder and Diana Ross, who, like Andrew Day, was also nominated for Best Actress playing Billie Holiday in Lady Sings the Blues, which I did that episode with Richard Ryder. Fun! And I think what we he picked um, uh, Diana Ross as his winner which was a good choice. Um, do you have anything else, though, that you would like to add to Ma Rainey or to Viola Davis's performance before we move on? No, love Viola Davis. Thought she did a good job. Just didn't... I didn't even hate the movie. I just didn't... It was just nothing. It's just nothing. It's just nothing. Yeah, yeah I, I, I know what you're saying. Okay. Uh, let's then talk about um, Andra, Andra Day in the U.S. versus the United States versus Billie Holiday. So, um, very quickly, um, this follows Holiday during her career as she is targeted by the Federal Department of Narcotics with an undercover sting operation led by black federal agent Jimmy Fletcher, with whom she has a tumultuous affair. He was very sexy. He was fine. He was very, very <laughs> sexy from Moonlight. When he showed up, I'm like, oh, I hope he's in the rest of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> and he was. Um so the song that the movie is very much based around is called Strange Fruit, uh, which is sung by Billie Holiday. It's about lynching black people and due to its controversy uh, and fear of a civil rights uprising, they needed to silence Billie Holiday. Um, again, you really don't have to go that far back in history to be like, Ugh, like that's <laughs> fucked up. Okay. 
Um, the movie gets right into the drugs where if you've seen Lady Sings the Blues with Diana Ross, they really build into it. They tell you more of like a linear narrative where it's like, this is her when she's younger. This is her when she lives in the horror house. This is her coming up. This is her getting into drugs. Where this movie, they just get right into the drugs, um, which I, I appreciate that they went in sort of a different direction uh, than Lady Sings the Blues. Um, she really nails the voice, I think. The voice, yeah, because I didn't really have that much, like, other than, you know, knowing who she was and knowing how influential she was. I was like, I don't really know if I know that much of her music. So I did go, like, okay, let me listen to some Billie Holiday songs. Let me listen to Andrew Day. And I'm like, yeah, great. She did a great job. She did a great job. Fantastic. And, and also, um, she sang all of that herself. She sang it all herself. And this is one of those roles where the, like there was a transformation like she was smoking a lot to like change her voice and she dropped a bunch of weight but yes when it's your first movie it's hard to appreciate the transformation because we're all like seeing you True. for the very first time yeah this was her first movie yeah and uh okay fine for your first movie like good fucking job yeah fantastic and i think diana rossa was the same thing too when she played billy holiday also i need to stop comparing the two but i mean it is Easy to make that comparison whenever the only time that somebody ever played Billie Holiday before it was their first movie and they also got nominated for an Oscar. Uh, so a lot of parallels there. But yeah, I mean, um, this is, it It has a very strong beginning as a film. I'd never seen it before. I knew one day I was going to be talking about it on this podcast. So I was waiting to talk about it on this podcast. Um, very strong start. And then it gets really boring, and Andrew Day is doing all of the heavy lifting. Andrew Day is the one bright spot yes. in this movie. She carried the entire thing. I thought the timeline was confusing yeah. and disjointed. I thought they were going to hang it all on Leslie Jordan's interview. Oh, yes. Uh, speaking Liberace of, wig. Yeah, speaking of Strange Fruit, uh, <laughs> Leslie Jordan's last movie. <laughs> So I thought that was going to be what they would kind of hang it on. But they're like, no, we're just going to jump around. We're going to show you this now. We're going to show you this now. And I'm like, I'm having a really hard time connecting with this with this one as well. And things like left where you they just assumed that you knew what was going on. Like, you know who Tallulah Bankhead is. You know why right. that's significant. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Who's, I, who's watching this movie? you got to assume people are dumb. And give us a, just a little more exposition and explanation or or just a timeline that made a little more sense yeah i mean again it was like that thing with ma rainey and the same thing with billy holiday where it's like are you bi are you i'm confused oh yeah she was definitely into that oh yeah yeah um the tulula bankhead thing i think also yeah again like a missed opportunity i yeah like there was just a lot of things that i would love more explanation but also um just a lot of the times when I do this podcast, a lot of performances are singled out in kind of like meh movies. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say that this is an example of that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely felt like an Oscar performance because as soon as you're getting sprayed with a hose with your tits out, I'm like, yeah, that's that feels like an Oscar scene to yeah. me for some reason. I'm like, yeah, you really like something really bad has to happen yeah. to you in order to be nominated. But yeah, the rest of the, the movie, I just think, okay, I the one the one thing I sort of latched onto is it felt more like the theme of the movie was uh, people of color supporting a, like a racist regime because they have to. Right. Like I got that from the FBI, like the Fletcher uh, guy, the FBI guy, and even just the elevator guy not letting her into little bankhead up, and he's like, well, I gotta. 
Yeah. Like I have to, like, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this because I need to keep my job and I need this job. So mm-hmm. I kind of have to, and I felt that theme kept coming up and that was kind of like the most interesting thing for me to, to kind of latch onto. But yeah, I mean, even the, the performance, I felt like her lip syncing, because I know she was, she sang all the, all the songs, but I also know she was lip syncing for the, for the actual shooting of the scenes. And it, it felt like she was lip syncing. I was like, I don't think you're good at lip syncing to yourself. Like that'd be a weird thing to have to do. But I'm like, it, it just felt a little like it didn't. It didn't feel like she was performing. Whereas Viola Davis, who wasn't yeah, singing, it right. really felt like she was. She was performing those songs. I found out that you know the famous Whitney Houston singing the national anthem at the at the Super Bowl. She was lip syncing that. Like she sang it live, and they recorded it live. But like her singing that, that was. She lip synced that. <gasps> gasp! I know because well, I saved like, my gay gasp for that. I know it like was one. Of, it's one of my favorite video. Like I've seen it like a million times. Like it's this super like she's like yeah like Whitney Houston did the thing like you know and and then I found out that she was lip syncing and I was like oh shit. Mm. But I read that. I mean I hope that's not true. But like apparently at the Super Bowl like because of the acoustics it's impossible to do it live. So they do like a previous recording of it like they record them live and then they like lip sync to their live vocals. How bizarre. I know. And so maybe, you know, Andrew Day could have taken a note from Whitney. I don't know. Mm. Well, don't... she's a great singer. I listened to her album. Yeah, she, yeah. yeah fantastic. fantastic singer. Um, That sort of smooth, jazzy mm. yeah. vocals. Rise, Rise Up, that's on my Spotify playlist for Love all it. time. Um, I think, though, I could always see where the story was... Um, I, I, sorry, I could never tell where the story was going, but I could always see, like, the conflicts. But then they would just, like, move on from it. Um, I, I just... You you have like one of the most like iconic. I think this movie just has an identity crisis. It's like, is it about the case? Is it about her her struggle with addiction? Is it about race? And if it's about all of those things, I just don't think it was executed effectively. Yeah, it felt like it. It didn't want to be a biopic. It didn't. It's like I don't want to be a straight up biopic. I'm like, okay, then what are you? Yeah, I don't know what you are. Mm. I'm confused. I'm confused. I, I agree. I, I think it had an identity crisis. Um, let me see. What else do I got here? Uh, too many scenes. I wrote down there were too many scenes of people just hanging out. Yeah. Having conversations <laughs> that went nowhere. I was just kind of like, cool, this is really fucking boring. Um, we kept cutting back to Leslie Jordan with the Liberace wig, that strange fruit thing. That was really funny that you just <laughs> said that. Um, I think some of her best scenes were actually with... Um, I almost said Liberace with Leslie Jordan. Um, and whenever he would say things like, well, why don't you just do what you're told and stay out of trouble? Those kinds of scenes I think were effective when you're talking about like race and privilege and a white person saying that to a black person and the conflict that would ensue and where she draws the line of what she will and will not talk about. I found that a little bit more uh, interesting when she's like standing up for herself um, rather than just like constantly enduring like the physical abuse um, the drugs and alcohol really take their toll near the end of the movie. She's looking very rough because of liver failure. Um, and she still refused to work with the feds. I thought the funniest line was when she tells them to suck her ass. <laughs> um, you know, the physical transformation is there. The singing is there or the lip singing or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But her vocals are amazing. Um, I kind of almost preferred Diana Ross's, uh, take, but I preferred Andrew Day's singing because Diana Ross also did her own vocals for that album, for that movie, uh, Lady Sings the Blues in 1972. So I actually prefer Andrew Day's singing and vocal stylings and approach to this 
compared to, and I realize I keep comparing the two performances, but um, I, I don't know. I, I just, receiving an Oscar nomination f- makes sense to me uh, because she really is carrying the picture. But I feel like if she had won the Oscar for this film, I think a lot of people would be like, but this movie is so fucking movie, boring. Yeah. 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 It's, it all, it's always the same. Like, do you, do you, do you reward the, the best performance or do you reward the best performance in the best movie? Right. Like, and I don't even, I don't even know what the other choices that year would, would have been. So I, I don't, I, know. I, I can't say whether this was a good choice or a bad choice. With this film, Andrew Day became the third person to win the Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture Actress Drama without being nominated at the Screen Actors Guild Award since its inception in 1994, the first two being Sharon Stone for Casino and Isabel Huppert for Elle. Which, which we did. Is a, yes, we did do I that. That was a yeah. crazy fucking movie. Um, but yeah, I think... For me, yeah, the, the best scenes were with Leslie Jordan, Liberace, um, and and the uh, the grittiness of the the scenes with the drugs I also enjoyed because there wasn't this sort of like, oh, it's so sad that she's using drugs and this is how she got into drugs. It's more just like, no, she's an yeah. addict and this is how she navigates the world as an addict. These are my drugs. Yeah, they were, they were, it was all very uncomfortable, which I'm sure is what it was intended to be but mm-hmm. that's that's never a fun thing for me to do it was yeah. like yeah that was uh that movie made me feel uncomfortable yeah good job good job and success uh, and uh the the a lot of the the violent scenes i don't even know how you film that kind of stuff as an actor but like that probably would be quite difficult yeah so you know also really um really great there but i just for me it was like the voice and the singing and the and the way that she kind of carried herself but yeah just same kind of thing as Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Great acting, meh movie. Yeah. Agreed. Um, do you have anything else that you would like to add before we move on? No, Fletcher was hot. That's it. Yes, That's he it. was. Okay, let's talk about Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. So very quickly, a young woman, Carrie Mulligan, is traumatized by a tragic event in her past and seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path. This movie won Best Original Screenplay and um, I just have to say, having Adam Brody as the really sleazy asshole was just the perfect choice to open this film. Well, I thought, apparently they went with, they wanted to go with guys who were normally like cast as nice guys because they wanted to make the point that nice guys can be creeps as well. Right. Which I quite enjoyed. But it was like, McLovin, I wouldn't really say it was no. across <laughs> as a nice guy, but well, <laughs> that's up for debate. Yeah. When he was like kissing her nose, McLovin, <laughs> I thought that was so funny. <laughs> so I'm a nice guy. Yeah. Like, gross. You're gross. Yeah, it was so gross. Uh, but like, it's so funny because like, he always acts gross and he like does it very well and like very funny. I, I love it. I love McLovin. Um, so she actually won a lot of Best Actress awards leading up to the Oscars race, including the Critics' Choice. Um, I actually preferred Carrie Mulligan in an education so to, rather than something too promising young woman. Because if I'm being honest with you, I just feel like Carrie Mulligan could do this role in her sleep. Yeah, this didn't feel like uh, much of a stretch. Yeah. Like, as far as what acting was required, I loved the movie. Like, yeah. I, this, of the bunch, I'm like, oh, this is, I will Great watch a movie. I will watch this Finally. Again. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally. I just, I was just, 
at no point when I was watching it was I was like, yes, yeah, Oscar moment. That's it right I, there. I agree with you. And I said at one point, I wrote, where the hell did I put this? Um, it's an amazing performance based on what it represents, maybe not necessarily because of any big acting moments. Yeah. Um, because again, this was also like culturally and socially relevant whenever this was written and whenever this um, came out because at that time, 2018, 2019, 2020, everybody was being canceled because of toxic masculinity, problematic behavior. So this type of role is extremely, uh, and I remember everybody was talking about this movie. When it came out, I must have. I, I knew. I knew vaguely there was chatter, but I had no. I knew it was kind of a, a revenge fantasy. The movie I had in my head going into watch this very different for the. I was not expecting a like a very black comedy. <laughs> right, like, I was yes. not expecting that at all. I was yeah. like, oh, this is fun. Okay. Um, I love Bo Burnham in this movie as a supporting character. Oh yeah, he was great. He yeah. was great. Uh, very. Um, uh, like he has like rom com potential as like a lead. Like I would, I could easily like have a crush on him. You know, he's like sarcastic, but like nerdy, which is like my thing. Perfect. 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 So good casting on that part. Um, This movie, and this is something to also to speak to the nomination and we're kind of saying like, hmm, because this movie actually won Outstanding British Film of the Year and Screenplay at the BAFTAs, but it didn't even get a nomination for Lead Actress for Carrie Mulligan. Interesting. So I think that maybe the British Academy is also kind of on the same page. Like, great movie. <laughs> great but movie. Like, you but... could do this in your sleep. Um, as an alcoholic, I will say she did a great at acting like she was in a blackout. <laughs> Her drunk acting was fantastic. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that first, when she sobers up in that opening scene with Adam Brody, I'm just like, oh, that was, yeah, that was chilling me. I was like, oh no, oh dude. Yeah. yeah. And you don't know what she, if she's done anything to him, you're yeah. like, what did you do? What did you do? <laughs> Very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. To see whenever she switches out of it. But I think more so with McLovin. It was more satisfying with McLovin. Uh, when she switches into the like, hey, like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh my god, what the fuck? Um, I'm a nice guy. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, man. And you always think that she's gonna do something, like she's gonna stab him or cut something off. Yeah, for... yeah. And then that's what I kind of liked about it is like you, you don't really know what she's doing to these guys right away. I, I thought the way the story unfolded was just done. In a beautiful way. I, I, it kept me interested. I, I always thought that she was doing either something way worse than she'd done. Yes. Or something way better. And then the stuff that she did do, like, it's like her, Alison Brie getting sexually assaulted. Yeah. Like, why would you do that to anyone? Oh, my God. I, like, I know, because okay, then you're like, oh, no, you're the predator. Yeah. yeah. But like, then oh. it wasn't the thing that happened. And I'd be like, oh, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, what did you do to the dean's daughter? You horrible. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. We're fine. <laughs> and as a viewer, it's like, it's fun. Like oh, as a movie, great. like it's fun. But I mean, like, is that more the editing in the script or is that the acting? Yeah. It was a, for me, it was, a, I was a hundred percent there for the script and the story. Yeah. So it makes sense that it won best screen, screenplay. Um, I did write the thing about Alison Brie when it, it's like, okay, did they flip the, script and now she's the predator and she's getting revenge for the women who didn't believe other women. But although I do like that they did touch on that mm -hmm. about like women who don't believe other women or um, men who don't believe women and um, the whole like I'm a nice guy thing that was <laughs> very repetitive but effective. Yeah. Needs, needs to be said. Yes. Needs to be said. Um, 
Let other people tell you if you're a nice guy. Yeah, very true. Just like let other people tell you if you're funny. That's <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Um, when the ex-lawyer played by Alfred Molina apologizes and shows genuine remorse, she actually shows mercy and calls off the hit of that guy who's like, "Oh, yeah. like oh, am I still, still getting, getting paid?" paid? Yes. Yeah, that's all. It's like it's like me at a canceled show. It's like, "Am I still getting paid?" I don't care if the show's canceled. Yeah. <laughs> um, crazy to have Molly Shannon as Nina, who is the girl that I am assuming committed suicide. It's mom. Yeah. Molly Shannon is an interesting choice. I love Molly Shannon. I love it when she plays straight characters. I I think. Molly Shannon can do no wrong. I, I, I put too, yeah. Molly Shannon in everything, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Connie Britton as the as the dean. I thought I really loved that scene. Yeah, especially when I was like, "Oh, did you <laughs> did you kidnap that teenage girl and drop her off in a rape dorm?" <laughs> yeah, right. Because that's that fucked. seems very plausible. Yeah. Like, that's oh, fucked. okay. You didn't. Okay. She's at a diner. Because I'm like cheering on this character, but at the same time, I'm like. Oh, okay. too far, too far, too far. Okay, yeah. no, it wasn't that far. Okay, good. <laughs> it's like, like, I really want to be in your corner, but at the same time, you're making some bad choices. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, also, uh, sorry, the dean, the actress's name is... Um, uh, was it Connie Britton? Connie Britton. Does she only have one hairstyle? Like, yes. I feel like she just... They, they, they had one wig for American Horror Story season one, <laughs> and they were like, do you want to just... Use this, just keep with this? this, like take this yeah. home with you, and just like every single time that you do a show or TV, like her hair has not changed. She used some very aggressive hairspray in the 80s, and it's now repelling everything else <laughs> from her head. Um, I think even like in White Lotus, she had the same haircut, yeah. Okay, um, it's, like, it's I, not a bad haircut, my hair does all the acting haircut. for me. It's just, uh, although you know, I, I have to say, maybe she's doing that because it's like, you know, how Julia Roberts is often like the victim of like just terrible wigs, yeah, <laughs> like all the time, like. <laughs> What was that show where it's like these people, they have PTSD and they're coming back from like Afghanistan. She had horrible like Bob. This movie Mother's Day was like an orange Bob. Yep. Um, Hook, she played Tinkerbell <laughs> with a horrible like frizz. She always has these like horrible wigs. So maybe hair people hate her. Yeah, it's just like, like did you like, do something to a hair person? Yeah. Like be nice to hair and makeup or they will make you look like that on screen forever. <laughs> Probably. Um, Penelope Cruz recently has been the victim of it. <laughs> and she she was in this movie. What was it called? It was called like The Contenders or something. And it was this horrible afro. It was, just, I don't know what's going on with these. I think, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they were a diva on set and they're like, we're going like, to just. This is your punishment. It's your, you're in wig jail. <laughs> <laughs> um. I do enjoy the fact that Molly Shannon, who played Nina's mother, was literally like, move on. Yeah. Like, enough. Yeah. Because it Let needed it to be said. Yeah. You're still living with your parents. You're still, like, you need to you need to process this. Like, yeah. I understand it was traumatic. Yeah. But you need to process this. And you need to move on. This is not a healthy way to live your life. Well, I just, the one thing that I will say about the movie, I think that if I think of it in terms of like, okay, it's sort of like a you're a Joker kind of level of crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's just, we're going with that. I'm not sure if I understood the motivation to constantly scare the shit out of guys, take back. I, I realize it's about taking back the power. It's a revenge fantasy. But she's clearly psychotic on some level. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the first time she pulls out her little book that she keeps all the notes and you're like, oh, you've been doing this for a <laughs> while. A while. This is definitely a hobby. Okay. This is not a one-off thing. This and is- and the, 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 the handwriting is that same kind of handwriting that you would see on a wall that would say, like, make it stop. <laughs> you know, like, just <laughs> scary handwriting. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like the Joker. Yeah, absolutely. Or Harlequin. Yeah. I just kind of maybe was like, okay, so... 
that was something that was never explored that I think maybe would bring the acting performance to the next level. Yeah. Because it would be like, oh, like, did she develop this sort of, like, psychosis where she, like, can't let things... Like, because, like, most people wouldn't go to that extent unless there's, like, something going on. Yeah. I mean, the more you find out about her, like, you're like, oh, you dropped out of med school. It's like, oh, yeah. now you're just working in a coffee shop and living with your parents. And I guess that's all you need to fund this lifestyle where you just need to yeah. buy some slutty outfits. Yeah. Played by Jennifer Coolidge was her mom, by the way. Which was an interesting, <laughs> odd choice. But I'm like, okay, I love Jennifer Coolidge, too. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm happy when she shows up in anything. Yeah. But at the same time, it always throws me off because I'm, I'm always expecting this to be, like, just straight-up comedy. And I'm like, okay. I know. It's <sighs> it's just the way that... It's it's the way that Jennifer Coolidge, like, delivers her lines. It's... I, I don't know... I don't know if it's the look on her face <laughs> or if it's just... And it's funny because Will Ferrell actually kind of says the same thing. He's like, I don't personally get it. Like, I can just say a line and people will laugh. And then the someone next to me will say the exact same line and, like, no one will laugh. He's like, I just, I don't know what it is. And it's, I think it's that same kind of thing because in Night at the Roxbury, they're actually, like, a couple uh, at the end of the movie. Like, they get together and I'm like, oh, my God, they need to do a fucking <laughs> movie together. Or they need to do a TV show together just because they have that same kind of energy where, like, when she's talking to the cops and she's like, oh, she was doing so much better. <laughs> so much better. And you're like, you're just, it sounds like a joke. It's, well, Jennifer Coolidge, I mean, her Golden Globe acceptance speech this year. I was, I <laughs> would like to apologize to everyone who I'm like, your Jennifer Coolidge impression is not that good. And I'm like, no, you're all spot on yeah. because Jennifer Coolidge <laughs> sounds like she's doing a Jennifer Coolidge yes. impression when she talks like herself. I'm like, I take it back. You're all spot on. That's exactly what she sounds like. <laughs> Uh, it's true. Um, she does eventually get killed, spoiler alert, by the guy that raped Nina. So I guess we went like full circle on that one. Um, not the ending that I expected. No. And apparently there was a, not the original ending either. They tried it a couple of different ways and then they're like, like there was one way where like she lives and just gets revenge, which satisfying but i was more satisfied with this because i was i was very upset when she died and then when it just continued to play out i'm like yeah yes you go girl yeah um because there was like 20 minutes left after she died yeah and i'm like how are they ending that this feels very disappointing after everything that she's done for it to just like end this way i'm like oh no i don't i'm not happy with this ending and then it kept going i'm like oh i'm very happy with this ending i liked it a lot um they all get caught it's a very satisfactory ending while also kind of i guess the harsh truth of her death is that like no matter what women lose yeah so i guess that was maybe the artistic point yeah, that they were trying still, to make. I mean, I guess you could say that she'd already lost and it was just a matter of waiting for that loss to catch up with her. Yeah. And eventually it did. It was good though. Like it was good. Like when she found out that uh, her, that Bo Burnham, her love interest was actually at the rape. Right. And like was in the video and he's like, well, I'm a nice guy. I'm like, how nice are you if you're standing by and letting this, yeah. letting <laughs> letting letting this all happen? happen. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. I was like, yeah. I was like, well, you've never made a mistake. I'm like, mm, this is kind of, this is kind of a gross mistake. <laughs> it's like, yeah, when someone ends up dying from this mistake, it's like, mm, it's kind of unforgivable. I also love whenever she's going home with that guy, and he says like, 
she switches out of it and he goes like, oh, you know what? Like, you're not even that hot. I fucking hate when guys say that. I, I hear it all the time. Not towards... I have had people say it to me, but I've heard other people say it. Oh, would you tell her that, oh, you're not that hot? Like, then why were you interested? Yeah. And she's it's like, what does that say about you, right? But then she's like, well, you're not exactly dropping panties yourself. Yeah. Fedora. Yeah. Fedora. <laughs> um... We, I mean, there are so many reasons why Justin Timberlake is unforgivable, but I would say the <laughs> ultimate reason was the popularization of the fedora. Of the fedora. Yeah, him and Britney all dressed in uh, jean fabric was also kind of hard to take. I'm like, come on, guys. That was assault. Isn't hers Canadian tuxedos charming? Yeah. <laughs> um... So Promising Young Woman, the title is likely a reference to Brock Turner, a Stanford University student who was convicted of sexual assault in 2016. The judge sentenced him to only six months in prison on the basis that he was, quote, a promising young man. The words rape and sexual assault were not spoken in the film. Were they? Really? That's interesting. It's a fact I heard, but I feel... I feel like... because they always just sort of make reference to stuff that... That's why I like it because the way they it all unfolded. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed that. But yeah, they might not have. I don't know if they said it. I can remember. Uh, with this film, Emerald Fennell is the first woman to be nominated for Academy Award for Best Director for a debut film. And Emerald Fennell receiving an Oscar nomination for Best Director along with Chloe Zhao for Nomadland marked the first time two women have been nominated in the category in the same year. They were also only the sixth and seventh female directors to be nominated for Best Picture. Okay. Oscar's so male. Oscar's so male. Um, Carrie Mulligan, fantastic performance. I don't know if there was any like big moments. It is absolutely satisfying to watch as like a revenge fantasy i've seen this movie a few times i'll probably watch it again um compared to the united states versus billy holiday and ma rainey's black bottom this for me felt like the actual first movie yes uh so um really fantastic a really fun performance and a really fantastic movie i just think that carrie mulligan could do this performance in her sleep um but just a lot of fun Tons of fun. Yeah. My favorite movie of the bunch yeah. by far. By Fair. far. Not even close. Fair. Uh, I I would actually, I would, I, I think I would agree with that. Um, do you have anything to add? I have nothing to add other than that opening scene. I was like, is this the worst gay bar ever? When are all these chinos? What's happening? I'm like, oh, okay. I understand. And then Carrie Mulligan's in the corner dressed up like a flight attendant <laughs> in a pencil skirt with holding her head up. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. That's been me. That was me in New York this weekend. Um, by the way, if anybody from New York City listens to this podcast and you saw me in New York City this weekend, sorry. It was, uh, it was live. <laughs> it was live. Hey, Best Actress listeners. Enjoying the show? Want to hear more? Access our entire catalog of Best Actress episodes from the very beginning ad-free by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bestactress. By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. Best Actress Podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon, where you can access it anytime with your subscription. Come on, ladies. It's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe. 
Okay, let's talk about uh, Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman. So Vanessa Kirby is uh, British. She played Princess Margaret in The Crown. Mm. Um, so it's fun seeing her uh, in an American film. Um, and I think she really nails the American accent. Very quickly, Pieces of a Woman. When a young mother's home birth ends in an unfathomable tragedy, she begins a year-long odyssey of mourning that fractures relationships with loved one in a with loved ones in a deeply personal story of a woman learning to live alongside her loss. There is a lot of really interesting casting in here. Eliza Schlesinger is her sister, another comedian. We got Bo Burnham, we got Eliza Schlesinger, and as far as I'm concerned, stand-up comedians, and we're talking about um, Lady Sings the Blues with Diana Ross. Uh, Richard Pryor was uh, a, just playing a dramatic role in that, and he also really shone in that as well. Stand-up comedians, we know how to play dramatic roles very well. We're very good at it. Very good oh, at God. it. Oh, God. Martin Short is a pedophile in SVU? Like, ooh, <laughs> ooh. I think it's, but I think it's because stand-up comedians, we know how to speak the language of conversation, Yes. So it doesn't sound actory, but we have to make that conversation funny. So whenever there's no pressure to be funny, we just have to sound like a normal human being. Yeah, we're used to saying the same thing over and over again on stage, night after night, and making it sound fresh. Yeah. And like it's just off the top of our heads. Yeah. So interesting casting. And also Ellen Burstyn as the mother I thought was an amazing choice. Ellen Burstyn, I was thrilled when she showed up. I thought Eliza Schlesinger did a fabulous job. I thought she was very natural. I thought she she did a bang up job. She, I feel like Ellen Burson should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress. She oh. actually was nominated for like literally everything leading up. So I feel like people probably thought that she was going to be, but mm. um, she wasn't. But I think she was, uh, the best scenes were with Ellen Burstyn and with uh, Vanessa Kirby. But so the movie opens on the building of a bridge. So immediately we know it's about carrying a pathway over an emotional obstacle. I thought thought it was such a lazy metaphor. I was like, Oh my God, the bridge. And then like throughout to show as time has passed, the bridge keeps progressively coming together. And at the end we've, you know, built the bridge over the trauma. Are we going to drive over that bridge or do we not want to pay the toll? By the end, I was ready to jump off the bridge. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um Let's all join hands. So the movie opens on the home birth and the tragedy of the child of the baby dying. Um you never find out why the baby dies. They just said like we don't oh it just happened and we're going to blame the midwife. Um Poor Molly Parker. It was nice seeing her show up. Yeah, like, right? Oh, good job. Um I do think that was kind of effective to make you as an audience member feel conflicted about the whole thing because it was a home birth. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, babies dying is kind of a thing when babies are trying to get born. Like, women dying used to be very much a thing when babies were, were being born. It's not it's not this easy... Yes, it's very natural. Yes, it happens a billion times, but it's also not something that's going to go smoothly necessary. Right. And um, I think that was a a good way for us to kind of be like, well, you feel bad for the midwife, but also like, why are you fucking having a baby at home? Yeah. So that, I thought that was really effective risks. Yeah. Um, There was, this is a very pubic hair positive film. Tons of pubes. Shia LaBush. It explained where all those pictures of Shia LaBush had come from. <laughs> they were showing up in my Reddit feed. Of <laughs> celebrity, nude celebs. I was like, oh, I don't, 
I don't want to see this one. <laughs> well, he was also in the movie Nymphomaniac, which they said was prosthetic, like dicks and vagina and all that. And I don't... Well, if that was a prosthetic, why wouldn't you get a bigger one? Yeah. I mean, right? I'd be like, give me the fucking black 12-inch cock. <laughs> give me the black bottom. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, uh, oh, what do I have here? So... I remember feeling extremely convinced that a baby was on the way because Vanessa Kirby with like the, the belching and the way she kept being like, Oh, and like, and the breathing. Um, I remember being like, Oh, like she's in pain. I'm feeling that pain. So just the, um, the physicality of a woman giving birth was extremely convincing. Um, I think emotionally of all of these performances, this was the Oscar type of role that I'm expecting. Agreed. Yeah. You had that depth where she had to go into a very dark place. Um, her conflict was with family members and how she's dealing with the trauma of what happened. And I think that, uh, Vanessa Kirby really carries this picture very, very well, um, I've I've seen this movie before. I, I really enjoyed watching it again, even though obviously this is a very heavy, very heavy, very heavy subject matter. Um, but you know, my whole thing with home births, just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my one sister tried to have home births, and like the first first kid showed up like two months premature, and the second one showed up like a month premature because they knew. And on the third time, the <laughs> midwife's like, "You're not having a home birth. What are you talking about? The, your kids like to come out early." Like the I, the kid in the womb was like, "Fuck, I'm not fucking into a tub. You yeah. want me to land in a tub?" <laughs> um, I remember. Her, yeah, just really selling it for me. I, I, I like that she was kind of just awful to everybody for so long and she just didn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, I don't care about your feelings. I'm in my feelings. I think uh, when she was pushing and she's making all those guttural sounds, um, I'm conv- it was very stressful. Well, the entire birth scene I was... Imp- like just impeccably done because it was uncomfortable and it was awkward and it was like I'm like okay you're making me feel all the feels I thought I thought that was probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie until Ellen Burstyn had a great speech yeah about uh well when was it it was at uh, the family get together where of course everything has to go wrong and she basically is telling her like you're not doing well. Yeah. Like this isn't working out. Like and the like we need to um move on from this or like you need to do something to snap out of it because then she starts explaining Ellen Burstyn how like she was born under these extreme circumstances where she had to be kept under like a floorboard or kept under a floorboard hidden from the Nazis. Yeah, like it was and then and then held up by a leg and like is she dead? It's like if if she lifts her head, she wants to live. And I lifted yeah. my head. I'm like were you like two weeks old? Are you trying to tell me that was a conscious decision on your part to be like, I want to live? <laughs> She's like, my daughter in the 1970s was possessed by the devil and was puking pea soup. You have no idea. Nothing. Oh, did one kid die? Get over yourself. Um, I love that Vanessa Kirby's and Shia LaBeouf's mm. relationship. She became so detached from him. She became so detached from her environment. Um... And I love the way that their relationship didn't work out. I love that he went back to Seattle. They didn't even say bye to each other. Like he just got out of the truck and like that yeah. was it. Yeah, I loved how much the, her mom hated him. It was like, you need, you can leave, you yeah. can leave, you can go anytime here, you can go, you can go. 
uh, off you go. Bye, bye, bye. We don't need you. Bye. She paid him off. Yeah. And he took the money. And you're like, okay. And you're like, yeah, like, if you he's were like, in this yeah, situation. screwing the lawyer anyways. Like, yeah. Like, it's not working out. Y'all hate each other. Yeah. You're the most uncomfortable sex scene. That was, <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, this makes me, f- no, stop. Oh, no. Uh. I did enjoy the way that he grabbed her hand and, like, stuck it. I was like, touch me. Yeah, I was like, ooh. Ooh. But then it got, like, awkward. But he kept, like, grabbing her on the bed and, like, bringing his legs. But she was still wearing her pants. So it's like, what do you... There's a barrier. Like, you need to take the pants off. Like, what is happening? It was a a very effective scene because it it did make me feel so uncomfortable. I'm like, I feel like this is, you know, nine-tenths of the way to a rape scene at this point. You're right. True. And so it was highly effective in that way. Uh, Oh, talking about pieces of a woman, though, I loved the way that they used Toxic by Britney Spears. Yes. And they turned it into, like, a violin Mm -hmm. thriller. What is this, Bridgerton? What's going on? Yeah. (laughs) I have never seen that show before but my mom I feel like it's a mom show and I love mom shows <laughs> like no one's mad at a mom show I don't think I finished the first season like Dr. Queen Medicine Woman yes mm, we're there for it quality. even though I think the native guy on that show was like a white guy probably I can't remember I haven't seen it in so long but um, yeah, I think the medicine woman was actually a man so. <laughs> uh, Jane Seymour Jane Seymour Jim Seymour so a couple of uh, a couple of facts about pieces of a woman so the opening 20-minute birth scene took two days at, oh, oh, took two days and six takes to shoot. Okay. Okay. Um, as Vanessa Kirby had never given birth in real life, she watched numerous documentaries and videos and shadowed midwives in a hospital in North London and even was allowed in a room with a woman who was giving birth. I mean, when we were kids in Canada growing up, we all had to watch this video. The Nova video? No, it was... What the hell did we have to watch? It was like filmed in like the 70s. And it was... um, I th- it was either called The Miracle of Life. Yeah. Oh, I, I've definitely seen that. And, yeah, then, yep, yep. and they showed the birth. Yeah. But this... Fucking woman <laughs> who was giving birth. She was giving birth like she was, like she was getting her her a pedicure. It felt like it wasn't her first time. Yeah, like she just kind of was sitting there and she was like yawn and yeah. she's like, "What Ugh. time is it? Oh, you want me to push? Okay." At least, at least I'm not out in the field right now. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> then she just she shoots the baby out and then she was like just lit a cigarette yeah. and just walked off. Like the umbilical cord was still attached and <laughs> she just walked out of the room. Where's the cabinet? <laughs> And that I remember everybody um, in science class literally just being not like mortified, but I just remember we weren't focusing on the fact that we were watching a childbirth. We were mostly just focused on the fact that this bitch wasn't even phased yeah. by this birth. You're like, but this doesn't look scary. No, if you're, if you're trying to turn us off of teen pregnancy. You're yeah. not doing a very good job. Yeah. Um, after obtaining and reading the script, Vanessa Kirby flew to Budapest. Very fancy. Mm. To express her admiration for the script to screenwriter Kata Weber and director Cornell Mundruckzo, which I know I pronounced that so wrong. Perfectly, perfectly. Perfectly. She desperately wanted to play Martha because of the challenge of acting out an experience so unfamiliar to her, which, okay, good for you. Cool, cool. Um, director 
Mondrakso and Weber were taken by Kirby's charisma, which reminded them of the European movie stars of old, and signed her on as Martha. They also stated that as soon as they announced that the movie's budget was lowered because of Kirby's <laughs> lack of star power at the time. <laughs> well, joke's on them because she got an Oscar nomination. Um, Yeah, there's not really much other... No, the, the courtroom scene seemed really out of place to me. Like, that was a bit... That was the point where I'm like, where's this movie going? <laughs> like, she just like walked it, in. It just felt very strange. And all those close-ups of her neck, I'm like, I, did I miss something? What is the significance of looking at this pulse in her neck? <laughs> uh, so that threw me off. And then the ending, I'm like, okay, yeah, your kid smells like apples. Okay, this kid in the apple tree. Like, it, it just felt like it was a little too heavy-handed with... Well, with the closing, I'm like, is that your kid? Is this your imagination? What's going on here? I mean, also, I'm not a lawyer, but can you just show up into court after this has received, like, national attention and just be like, I just I changed my mind. I have something to say. Yeah, I just, you know what? I'm good. Yeah, We're good here. It's fine. You know, babies die. Yeah, like, I'm over it. I'm over it. I can have another one. And then at the end, uh, there's a child climbing. What? <gasps> An apple, apple tree. tree. <laughs> the bridge has fully Ugh. formed, and now we can go to our apple tree. Yeah, that threw me off. And then, yeah, the ending was very unsatisfying. And the, and the courtroom scene just felt like it was from a completely different movie. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is confusing to me. I think, yeah, for me, like I said, the best scenes were uh, with Shia LaBeouf and how it didn't work out. I love that the relationship didn't work out. I love that Ellen Burstyn, like, would call her on shit and challenge her. Yeah. Best emotional scenes. Um, and I love that she really what's the word where it's like at the beginning she's very happy but then at the end she's still kind of a bit like blah but like she's grown but she's still like a little blah because obviously you're gonna wear that trauma like yeah you're forever. not gonna like, shrug it off and be like oh okay yeah today's the day i'm 100 percent fine yeah like i'm good now yeah so i i love the the like emotional uh consistency with the timeline and um just very very well acted and this is like the oscar role that i was waiting for this is the fourth movie that i watched in the order so i was just like ready because i mean andrew day yes but again boring movie but this movie i actually i enjoyed this movie not something i would pop on again in the future no i will never watch this movie again <laughs> for a home birth um but i just fantastic acting and i i i uh, i i enjoyed this i enjoyed this film um do you have anything else that you'd like to add no it stressed me out <laughs> i found the entire thing stressful which is, I'm sure it was its intended effect. Yeah. Oh, like, of yeah, course. Yeah. Success. 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 I will never watch it again. Well, it's interesting that they say that uh, Vanessa Kirby didn't really have much star power because I think that she had won the BAFTA for Best Supporting Actress for the Crown for playing Princess Margaret. So she had some. Something. Something. They just didn't want to pay her as much. Okay. Well, uh, sexism. Um, sexism. <laughs> so let's talk about our winner, Frances McDormand in the movie Nomadland. Um... I don't know if this is a fact, but I'm just putting this one out there. I think this is the only time in Oscar history where somebody won an Oscar for a role where they shit in a bucket on screen. Mm, tough. I'm gonna, <laughs> I hope. I, I hope I, it's the only one. I think, th- I think this is the film. I think this is the one because... Um, yeah, Frances McDormand was shitting in a bucket at she, one point. Yeah, she sure. I mean, there was a lot of her. I mean, one of their opening scenes pretty much was her peeing by a fence. 
Like, good for you. This, it's she's cute. like, I'm at the age where my panties don't come down for sex in movies. They just come down for bodily functions. It seems the Academy just rewards her the grosser her roles get. Like, she's so natural. Yes. Like, anytime that she's from small town America, she's grizzled in some way, and she's having none of it, the Academy is just catapulting Bravo. Academy Awards at her. Fargo, North Country, Three Billboards, Nomadland. <laughs> Anytime that she's like rough and ready to go, they're like, bravo. So brave. So brave. And they're like, did you hear in Frances McDormand's next film, she shits in a bucket. She shits in a bucket. She, that was real shit coming out. <laughs> they're like, she is a method actor. Oh, God. Get the Academy yeah. Award ready. I've heard enough. Although when she was doing that, I'm just like, who on sound, got to make these. <laughs> like who got to? <laughs> she probably did shit. <laughs> she probably those did. were real sounds. She's like I'm not. I'm. I'm going bullshit on this one. <laughs> Can we just do one more? Just where like I actually shit. I just feel like it would be. Uh, yeah, I just feel like that's what my character would do. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nomadland. A woman in her 60s, after losing everything in the Great Recession, embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. And these, the the entire cast of the movie, none of them are actors. These are real people. Yeah, a bunch of them are real live nomads. Real yeah. that, And she, a lot of them didn't know that she was an actor. And so... That I feel like is kind of cruel in a way <laughs> because she is she is telling very personal stories of her life and her tragedies. And they're like, they're like, oh well, my husband like got eaten by an alligator. And then she's like, well, my husband. And she's like topping their story. And they're like, oh my God. And they have empathy for her and they feel bad. And then she's like, Jake is just kidding. Jake. Anyway, back to Hollywood. Yeah, it was there was a point where I because at one point I was bored, <laughs> so I started to uh, Google things about the movie sure. right, instead of paying full attention to the movie. Because we'd all did. I did not feel I was going to miss anything, and I don't feel <laughs> that I did. But I, once I found out that like Linda May was was a real live nomad, I was like, oh, okay. Frances McDormand is a really great actor because she's pretending to be like a real person. I was watching Linda May and I'm like, oh, this actor is terrible. Like, yeah. <laughs> you are you are not good at this. I don't know why they cast you with this. Right. And I'm like, oh, it's because you're not an actor. Yeah. Okay, well, that explains your performance. Yeah. And then it just makes Frances McDormand's acting skill look even better. Yes. It didn't make me care about the movie anymore. Okay. I mean, so in the book, it was Linda something, but then in this movie, her name is Flo. So they were originally going to go with Linda and they were going to cast somebody else, but then they were like, Frances McDormand, oh, also Mississippi Burning is another movie that she was nominated <laughs> for an Academy Award and she was also small town. So I this is very consistent with the Academy. But anyway, um, Frances McDormand. So, it, so in this movie, she's flow. So I think that they said that they were going to go for like a Frances McDormand type rather than this, whoever, uh, Linda, that this yeah. is based on in the book. Um I think that this movie is minimalism at its best. There's not really much going on. There's yeah. not really much that ever really happens. However, I'm not bored. And I found it um, this like bleak, sad, but interesting life. Um, beautiful cinematography. Gorgeous cinematography. And just sort of the the desolate life 
made it worth watching. Um, but just again, like this is a role that Frances McDormand can do in her sleep. Yeah. The, well, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, now I want to read the book because this sounds really interesting. Sure. And why wasn't this just a documentary? Like that was my that was my problem with it. It was like you're it it is bleak. What kind of voice? Small moments. Like it is it is that sort of heavy kind of movie, but I'm like, I would I would have rather watched this as a documentary. And I know that they did make a documentary before they made the movie. I just for me it just didn't work as as a movie, because I'm like, I, I, I need more going on. Mm. I need more. If, I, if I'm just going to watch, like, normal people, I'll take the bus. Mm. It's like, why am I watching this movie? <laughs> and and once I sort of got over my, oh, this van culture is really interesting. Yeah. Then there was nothing for me to, hold, like, hang my hat on. Yeah. I was like, I just want to go read the book and, and learn about these people. Yeah. Rather, rather than just follow Francis McDormand around trading, you know, can openers for potholders and shitting in a bucket. I mean, watching this movie, I always like to make like little notes like as I go, and I'm looking at my notes here, I don't have anything. No, I wrote very, very little. It's yeah. more the adventure of the character and the world that they live in and the way they navigate that world that makes the performance interesting because it's something that we've never seen before. Is it a big showy performance? Of course yeah. not. Is it um is it a good movie? Yeah, I I lo- I really liked this movie a lot. Um, I also kind of love like sad stories. Oh, yeah. So this is something that I'm um sort of interested in. I um I think that the way whenever she goes to visit her sister, her real life sister, mm-hmm. and like they have like a house and a backyard and neighbors, and they're talking. The conflict that uh, happens when she's talking to, like, realtors and then she's like, I disagree with you. And then they have that, like, awkward tension in that fight. Um, She needed to defend her point of view. And I love that the sister says something about how her, uh, Frances McDormand, it's like, I admire what you do because you're following the American tradition of the pioneers. And um, I think that scene sort of needed to happen because she needed to defend. Because as the audience, you're like, why wouldn't you just move in with your family? Yeah, because the, the thing I had a real problem with was I couldn't tell if they wanted to present this as, oh, this is like a sad, desperate thing that older people had to do when the recession hit. And like, this is just them surviving and this is what they have to do. But on the other hand, they kind of wanted to be like, oh, look at these freewheeling, free-spirited, you know, f- the people who are just living this life and th- because they've chosen this life. And for a lot of them, it was like, I feel like this life kind of chose you. Like, this. F- the- for a lot of them, it felt like a last resort rather than a, yay, let's, l- you know, let's change our lifestyle. Let's live this life. And anytime she showed up around normal people, it was just made me realize how, how dirty everyone was <laughs> around her family. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the... You realize how far away from like typical life her her new van life is when she's back at her sister's place. I'm like, oh yeah, you look gross. You look like a, like a homeless person wandered in. And um, it is. I also do like though where they do offer like, why don't you come stay with us? Why don't you get a regular job? Why don't you go here? Why don't you go there? And she refuses it. And she and and all these people kind of refuse it because it's like as much as they've all fallen onto hard times, they've also fallen in love with the nomad lifestyle and they defend it and they stand by it. And um, 
I think that, again, that's just kind of what makes the performance and the movie so interesting. And also because of the fact that you're saying, like, this could have been a documentary, but, like, in a way it kind of was because these were real people and these were their real stories. And then she and that other guy were just kind of the only actors in the movie. Um, So, a couple facts about this movie. Um... Frances McDormand blended into nomadic com- the community so well that one of the local targets offered her an application for a job. Uh, her experience of living in a van took four to five months covering seven states. She adopted a lifestyle of being constantly on the move to make the movie seem more authentic rather than just acting the scene. So she did actually live in a van. Um yeah, so of course, with the exception of Frances McDormand and David uh, Uh Yeah, they were all, uh, most cast members were playing uh, actual nomads, local people, um, listing their real first names for their characters. I guess they didn't have the same last names for their protection. Um, uh, yeah, most of them didn't know that Frances McDormand um, was a Hollywood star. Um Bob Wells did not, still did not know until they shot an emotional scene in which Fern remembers her late husband, Beau. Afterward, he said to McDorbin privately that it meant a lot for her to tell him that the story um, and that everything was going to be okay. And she subsequently revealed to him that her husband's name was actually Joel Cohen and he was still alive, which surprised Bob as he learned that McDorman was in fact an actress. That just seems emotionally manipulative. Well, how do you not know... What's going on, though? All these nomad people. I feel like... Because they're shitting in a bucket. They're busy. <laughs> yeah, but you're still, like, doing it. Like, there's still, like, set stuff going on. <laughs> like, just, wouldn't you have, have twigged in at some point? Right. It's odd. It yeah. Odd. Yeah, this whole movie was weird for me. I, I always find it really hard to judge natural performances because you're like, oh, were you really good at just playing a regular person? And in my mind, I'm like, is that a stretch? <laughs> is that hard to do? I guess it is. Like, because you're... Yeah. I don't but, know. Eh. Um, so this is, I just, I forgot I wrote this down, but while testing shots in the van, while director Chloe Zhao, Francis McDormand actually had an upset stomach after dinner and used a bucket in the van to shit inside while staying in character. And it was, that's where they got the sounds from. (laughs) It's real. She shit in a bucket. It was one of the first shots used in the finished film. Oh my God! So the Academy, yeah. Oh God, yeah. I mean, what, what, what can Frances McDormand do? Really next? acting, men. Yeah, Is that really <laughs> acting. But I mean, how, how? I don't think she'll ever be able to win an Oscar. How do you top shitting in a bucket? I don't know, just dying. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> she dies. She in dies movie, yeah. in the death scene. It's really natural. It's really authentic. <laughs> One take. Whew, but like, I just, I love the 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 bleak sort of. But also sort of hopeful optimism at the end in a way where it's like she's survivor. She's going on. She's going to just keep trucking and keep going and keep doing it because she, what was it? It's a, I'll see you at the end of the road. She's going to see her husband at the end of the road. And, you know, it, there's just this bleak optimism. So bleak. Yeah. I, I just, I love it. With, I love the way it was shot. Um, I really liked, I liked the movie a lot and I, I really enjoyed the performance but again i just think francis mcdormand could do this in her sleep agreed although i didn't like the movie neither as much as you did <laughs> well it won best picture it sure did what do i know <laughs> and that's why i'm not on the academy oh actually i think francis mcdormand also won an oscar for like 
producing. producing. Yeah. So, so that, I think that was like the first time that it happened. So double. Yeah. Two at Oscars. Least, at least for a woman, probably. Two Oscars one night coming mm. to your local porn theater. Do you have anything? Okay. That you would like to add before we select our winner. I have nothing to add. <laughs> I have nothing to add about No Man's Land. I have nothing to add about any <laughs> <laughs> it was I want it to be over. I know it wasn't it wasn't a super strong year. Yeah. It was more it was a very depressing year. A very depressing yeah. year. Actually, yeah. These are bleak performances. Bleak. Bleak. Okay. Well, hmm. Oh God. Okay. Well, I guess this is it. the The, the time the time has come mm. for us to select who we think that the Oscar should have gone to. You are my guest of honor. Please go first. I think the Oscar should have gone to. Vanessa Kirby. I, I didn't. I didn't love the movie, but I thought her performance was like the strongest of the, of an Oscar-worthy performances. Yeah, I, I thought hers was hers was the best. I was I was torn between her and Andrew Day, uh, honestly. And if, and the only reason I didn't pick Andrew Day is I had not like none of her other. She hasn't done anything else. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. Like, was that was? Are you a one trick pony? Yeah. Are you gonna be like that in every movie? So I always have trouble like judging someone's like debut performance as, yeah. as Oscar worthy. So yeah, I was I would say uh, Vanessa Kirby. She she made me feel all the feels. Uh, the birth scene was very uncomfortable. Uh, she yeah she she dragged me along for the ride, and I uh, I was I was there for it while at the same time not wanting to watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I love it. So. Um... I think that the Oscar should have gone to <laughs> Vanessa Kirby for pieces <laughs> of a woman. I just kind of feel like this is the most Oscar Beatty kind of yeah. role. Um, it's like uh, extremely dramatic, but also like kind of gross and raw and real. I think that Nomadland was just gross. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also agree with you for Andra Day uh, because of the transformation. Uh, the, it, it's, it's her film debut. Uh, she lost a lot of weight. She started smoking and, and drinking. To uh, She sang all of the songs. It's just, God, the movie was mm. so boring. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, I, if, if I really am not a fan of the movie, I simply do not reward it with the Oscar. Uh, um, and... Uh, Viola Davis, also amazing performance, super boring movie. Uh, Carrie Mulligan, I just felt like she could do this in her sleep. And frankly, Frances McDormand, I'm sure she really went there because she lived in the van for four or five months. But again, it's like I just she can do this in her sleep. Yeah, it didn't it didn't feel like it didn't feel like a like it. A, a departure. Force of acting. Yeah. yeah. Where Vanessa Kirby actually said, I want to take this role because it's something I have no experience with and I want to learn and I want to do this. And she went there and I and I think that she knocked it out of the park. And um, I, I really enjoyed all of those scenes with Ellen Burstyn. I wish Ellen Burstyn was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Um, Ellen Burstyn, it's a, it's a shock that she wasn't. Yeah, she was truly... I'm shocked. That was, she was the best part of that movie. Yeah, she was fantastic. So for me, I, I would... It was the most Oscar-y kind of thing, and or at least what checks my boxes. So for me, it was Vanessa Kirby and Pieces of a Woman. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, 
Uh, that's it. That's our, that's Take what, that, Francis. <laughs> um, too good for too long. Yeah, Meryl Streep is somewhere like good. Good. Um, yeah, those boys know what they're talking about. Yeah, she, you know, she listens to this podcast. She does. Hey, Meryl. Yeah, hey, Meryl. Uh, what's up, girl? Um, so, uh, okay, uh, Ted, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, they can find me at Dog Ted. It's Doctor with a G because I take care of dogs. It's a stupid thing. Uh, yeah, Dog Ted. Everywhere that you find your social meets, and okay, Ex- except TikTok, I haven't, I haven't done that yet. Oof, girl, I'm, I'm an old man. That. I'm getting into that one right now myself. Yeah, it has to be done. It has to be done. I like to, I like to jump on things like five years after they're relevant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why we're Canadian. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for being a guest, and we'll have to have you back again. We'll talk about the 1940s next time. Let's do it. Okay. Bye. Bye. Did you enjoy the show? Want to hear more episodes? Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad-free with your subscription. Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my god. Go to patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe, and I will see you all at Howard's Inn.